Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. Um, I've got words to another song uh, to begin with tonight. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list, checking it twice. He's going to find out. Aren't you glad I'm not singing this? <laughs> He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. We all know those words, I think. And there's something actually very logical about those words because it's just the way the world works, right? Be good, do good, and you'll get good things. This is how Santa Claus works. He's making a list. He's keeping a record of who's naughty and who's nice. And he sees everything, so there's no reason to try to hide anything from him. So you better be good for goodness sake. Because the implication is, if you're not good, you're not going to get anything. You have to be prepared to earn or merit your gifts. And why not? This is the way so much of the world works. Of course, the danger in all of this is that this way of thinking creeps into how we imagine God works. If I'm good, then God will give me good things, like some kind of cosmic Santa Claus. But if I'm naughty and I do bad things and God's going to strike me off of his list and I won't get anything or I'll get coal, which translated into the experience of life means I get hardship and I get deprivation as a proper punishment for my failure to perform in goodness and for my transgressions. See, Santa Claus coming to town misses something really important. And it sadly obscures in so many ways one of the most central and wonderful things about Christmas. When God incarnate came to town in the birth of the baby Jesus. And what that obscures is grace. Because at its core, what Christmas is, it's a message of grace. God's gift of a savior freely given, conferred upon people who are unworthy and undeserving and conferred upon a people who couldn't earn or merit his favor or his blessing. Paul articulates this message of grace in one of his letters, in his letter to Titus. and He, artic he articulates it in just one verse. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. This is what we're going to reflect on tonight. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And there are three qualities or features of grace that we can pull out of just this one verse. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And the first, is, I don't have my points on the screen, but the first is appearing grace. That's one feature of grace that is given to us in this verse, appearing grace. This appearing grace is captured in a story by a Christian author named J.B. Phillips in which he tells of a senior angel 
who is showing the splendors of the vast universe to a very young angel. And after soaring through galaxies and passing through gigantic stars for hours, they finally arrive at one particular galaxy. And J.B. Phillips writes, as the two of them drew near to the star we call our sun and to its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull as a dirty tennis ball to the little angel, whose mind was filled with the size and glory of what he had already seen. I want you to watch that one in particular, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. Well, it looks very small and rather dirty to me, said the little angel. What's so special about that one? He listened in stunned disbelief as the senior angel told him that this planet, small and insignificant and not overly clean, was the renowned visited planet. Do you mean that our great and glorious prince went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Why should he do a thing like that? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. And do you mean to tell me, he said, that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? I do, said the senior angel. And I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For as strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them to lift them up to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond his comprehension. And that God would love us. And that he would come here to us in the person of Jesus. That grace would appear to us is almost beyond our comprehension as well. Especially when we consider what it is he came here to do. And so the second feature or quality of grace that we can highlight is accomplishing grace. Paul writes, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation. That's what this grace accomplishes, salvation. Jesus came to bring salvation, not judgment, not condemnation, and not destruction. This is evidenced in the way that God entered into the world. Let me quote from Christian author Philip Yancey, who writes insightfully, The God who came to earth came not in a raging whirlwind or in a devouring fire. Unimaginably, the maker of all things shrank down, 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 so small as to become an ovum, a single fertilized egg barely visible to the naked eye, and an egg that would divide and redivide until a fetus took shape, enlarging cell by cell, inside a nervous teenager. Immensity cloistered in thy dear womb, marveled the poet John Donne. The God who roared, who could order armies and empires about like pawns on a chessboard, this God emerged in Palestine as a baby who could not speak or eat solid food or control his bladder, who depended on a teenager for shelter, food, and love. This tells us that he emerged not for judgment, but he emerged in grace in order to bring salvation. Now, if you ask most people what they need to do in order to be saved or what they need to do to get to heaven, they'll say, be good. Do good things. Again, this is the way the world works, and apparently this is how Santa Claus works as well. 
But the message of Christmas is that salvation isn't something that we accomplish by our goodness. Salvation is something that's accomplished for us by what Jesus does, the goodness of Jesus given to us by grace. And he accomplishes our salvation not simply by his birth, but by his death on the cross. We have to hold those things together, this appearing grace setting the stage for this accomplishing grace of the work of Jesus at the cross. A Jesuit missionary named Matteo Ricci went to China in the 16th century to share the gospel with the people there, and he took samples of religious art with him so that he could help explain the gospel message to the people there. And the Chinese people readily accepted the portraits and the story that Matteo Ricci was telling when he was showing them portraits of the Virgin Mary holding the Christ child. But when he began to show portraits of the crucifixion and to explain to the people that this Jesus grew up to be executed as a common criminal on a cross for the sins of people, they reacted with horror and repulsion because they didn't understand the connection between the appearing grace and the accomplishing grace. You can't comprehend the appearing grace of Christmas without understanding the accomplishing grace of the cross. Our salvation is by grace. Our salvation is on the house, if you will. But that's only because the Jesus who was born at Christmas paid the wages of sin for us by dying on a cross. So there's accomplished, there's appearing grace, there's accomplishing grace, but there's one more thing to note, one last feature or quality to highlight about grace from this verse. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And here we see amazing grace for all people. This grace that brings salvation is for everybody. Now, Paul isn't teaching here a universalism by saying that everybody is saved because Jesus entered into the world. In the context, Paul is simply declaring that the salvation that Jesus brings is not only for the Jew, but also for the Gentile, for all people, people from every single nation. But we can also say with these words, salvation for all people, that God's grace in Jesus has come not only to those on the nice list, but it's come particularly for people on the naughty list. The unclean, the sinful, the unworthy, the undeserving. All people. I mean, keep in mind who wrote these words in Titus. The Apostle Paul, who was once a persecutor of the early church and supported the murder of the early Christians. Let me quote um, Yancey again. Yancey writes, I get mail from Amnesty International. And as I look at their photos of men and women who have been beaten and cattle prodded and jabbed and spit on and electrocuted, I ask myself, what kind of human being could do that to another human being? And then I read the book of Acts and I meet the kind of person who could do such a thing. The Apostle Paul, who is now an apostle of grace. If God can love that kind of person, he concludes, maybe, just maybe, he can love the likes of me.
Santa's gifts may be reserved to those on the nice list. But the grace of Christmas is that Jesus gives himself for those on the naughty list. Now it is true, we should be clear that this is a grace that transforms us. It transforms naughty, sinful people. The very next verse in Titus completes Paul's Paul's thought. He continues, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It is a transforming grace, but saving grace comes in order to transform. It is not restricted to those who are already transformed. It's not given to those who can clean up their act or who can get their act together. And that's good news for all of us tonight because we're all on the naughty list. We're all on the naughty list. We're selfish, unkind, impatient, angry, greedy, unloving, unforgiving, morally polluted, undeserving, unworthy people who are incapable of making ourselves worthy of God's favor and his blessing. And really, until you can recognize or admit that, your unworthiness and your sinfulness and your naughtiness, until you can perceive the amazingness of amazing grace, and really sing those words that we sing with amazing grace and apply them to ourselves at the level of our hearts, amazing grace that saved a sinful, naughty wretch like me. Until we grapple with that and embrace the truth of that, we may be able to celebrate Santa Claus coming to town, but we're never really gonna be able to truly rejoice in the gospel of grace or rest in God's love for us by grace in Jesus. The message to be celebrated this season is not Santa Claus is coming to town. The message to be celebrated is that God has come to our world to give us the greatest gift, his son, to bring salvation, to pardon our sins, to give us everlasting life to naughty sinners by grace. So let that not be eclipsed in your heart or in your life this season or any time in the year. Let that message not be eclipsed, that message of grace. And if you've not received that message of grace tonight, receive it now by putting your faith and trust in Jesus as the Savior of your sins. And if you have received that message of grace, then Be transformed by that message of grace, by growing and increasing in godliness. Share that message of grace and show that message of grace by giving love to the undeserving, naughty people in your life who aren't worthy of it, who don't deserve it, but give it as freely as it has been given to you so that the world may know this grace that has come, that they may know and rejoice in the grace of God that has appeared, bringing salvation to us and to all people through the person of Jesus. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you that your grace 
has appeared to us, that you've come to us, not to condemn us, not to destroy us, but to save us from our sins. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And would you enable us to receive that grace, to be transformed by that grace, to share the message of that grace, and to show the reality of that grace as freely as we have received it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.